going to go with dad pod. Dad pod. Dad pod with Charlie and Osher or dad pod with Osher and Charlie? I mean, if it was just you, I think Daddy O is a great <laughs> name. But the fact that I'm in, in the mix, Daddy O yeah. C, confusing. But you've already got the flying start to the actual dad pod, dad bod. Right. Because I don't really keep it up quite as much as you do. I do keep it up, but not near, anywhere near as much as you. Oh, no, I've, had, I've had a few weeks overseas. I think uh, <laughs> Timmy H has been helping you out. I'm definitely <laughs> moving back into dad bod territory. But dad right. pod, I mean, look, I think that dad pod, I always believe in the path of least resistance. We tried to get clever. We, we, did, we did send some texts back and forth yeah. about what it could be. I mean, I thought daddy issues is, is obvious, but yeah. there's quite a few yeah. out there. Um, but dad pod, it just rolls off the tongue. And yeah. I think it's, you know, considering, uh, well, when we're recording this, Jason Momoa has just been shamed for his, his dad bod. Really? Did you see this? Yeah, Jason Momoa. Because he still looks incredible, but it's not Aquaman body. And so a bunch of people are like, oh, Aquaman's got a dad bod. So it is of the zeitgeist. Right you know now. who says that? People who aren't standing in front of Aquaman. Yeah. That's who. <laughs> you don't. Fucking say that to Jason Momoa? No, no. A you six know, foot four. Audrey will come and slap you for saying that because <laughs> that's her other husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I which, think I think Jason Momoa is the world's other husband. I don't know. I'm, I'm yet to, there are certain people who just trend. I mean, probably male or female is the world's husband. There are certain people who <laughs> yeah. are so beautiful yeah. that they just they transcend. Yeah, absolutely. This is why I'm grateful. Like, there's um there's a new film, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Um, so I can take Audrey to go see a film where two of her other husbands are in the same. Like, both The Rock and Idris Elba are in oh, that movie. Oh, like Jason Statham. She's no, just striking no. as a Statham no. guy. No. Yeah. Um, incidentally, though, if you if you ever are feeling sad, um, sometimes when I'm feeling sad or a little disenfranchised with the world, I sometimes watch the Goodwill Hunting acceptance speech. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just to go. That's right. That's why we do it. Yeah. All right. But other times, I watch a supercut that involves every single time Jason Statham's ever kicked anything in a movie. <laughs> Lasts about seven minutes. And it's just called Jason Statham Kicking Things. And it's fucking amazing. Anytime he's ever kicked anything. Well, Hobbinger is good because that, that sort of fits into what we're talking about. So this is a podcast yeah. uh, from two guys who are about to be, well, you are a dad already. But yes. you are about to be the dad of a baby for the yeah. first time. Yeah, I've been the dad of a grown child for a number of years now. Yes. This is my first biological child. Yeah. And um, we are two, I don't know, we're so, as you mentioned the other day on TOEFOP, we're, we're really quite a minority. We're straight, white, privileged men in our 40s <laughs> who have no business having babies, but we're having babies. Why do we have no business having babies? Oh, I guess we do. We have business having babies. But I don't know. When I was a young man, no one in their 40s had babies. They were grandparents by then. Yeah. I mean, that is the weird thing. <laughs> like you and I are about to be dads, but we dress like we're teenagers. It's ridiculous. Uh, Charlie, Charlie's wearing a pair of shorts. He's got some fly nets on. I've got my, my footies jump, my footy team's jumper on, yeah. baseball cap. You've got a trucker hat. <laughs> what am I wearing? I'm wearing motorcycle jeans. I've <laughs> uh, got a bit of North Face on. I guess that's the only bit of dad wear I've got going on. I've got a bit of North Face, just, you know, like a sensible winter undercoat. Well, it's like if you went to a nursing home now, you'd see dudes in knitted cardigans yeah. and trousers and stuff like that. So I assume in 50 years' time, it's just going to be all like no fear t shirts, <laughs> quicksilver board shorts, fox racing flat hats. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys in their 80s with a monster energy tattoo <laughs> on their forearm. 
Yeah. Yeah, Slipknot. They'll have the uh, Juggalo Hatchet Man. Oh, my God. Insane clown posse tattoo. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. So that's where we're at. We are are men who are expecting and uh, our our beautiful wives are a month apart in terms of when they're due. Yeah. So we are recording this, uh, look, probably just over, what's five five weeks from when you're due? Um, Yeah, we're about five or six weeks from launch. And I'm nine weeks. You're nine weeks from launch. And... um, so I'm a stepdad. Right. Georgia was 10 when I shut up. I think I got a preemptive hit of the thing that people talk about when they become a parent. Suddenly mm. nothing else mattered except making sure this little girl was safe and clothed and housed and fed and protected and, you know, kept from harm. And whatever it was that I was chasing, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, whatever it was I was chasing over there, there was nothing that was as much fun as dancing around the living room with this kid. So that was it. Well, it that's was, interesting. It was so, over. So you've had, you've had an acclimatisation period. I have. Whereas I'm going from being the centre of the universe. <laughs> I'm going from the centre of the universe to suddenly realising that I'm not the centre of the universe. And so to be honest, like I think I am very ready for it. I've been, yeah. I've been much, more, much more than Gemma. Like I've been wanting to have a kid for a lot longer. And, you know, I think it's the way society is set up. It's a lot harder for mm. women, especially if you're a career-oriented yeah. woman like my wife. Like, you know, the the idea of taking time out from your job and all that kind of stuff can be really, really scary. So it's all well and good for me to say, hey, let's have a baby. But, you know, for her, it was a, a much bigger decision. Particularly in the business you've chosen, which is a freelance thing that often gets planned years out. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in the kind of work that we do, you have to say yes to four things that are all parallel because you know that two of them will fall over. Yeah. And then you have to make just one hard phone call when you say, I can't make it now. Yeah. Or you say you say no once, and then the phone never rings again. That's right. So it is like this this thing to consider. But what I have found, and what's been really nice about this, is that all that stuff that you build up in your mind about you know why we can't have a kid now, and all this kind of stuff, like it is interesting when you actually. It's like with anything in life. Once you actually get into it, you realize that things don't actually change that much. Like, of course you know, our lives are going to change and the way we structure our day and, you know, work and that kind of stuff will, of course, have to change. But in terms of your attitude towards it, like I have this, you know, my issues with anxiety always tend to be around like, but what if the worst possible thing happens? Will I have the capability to deal with it? And the answer is always yes. And I've proved to myself again and again that when my circumstances change or when something dramatic or drastic happens in my life, I tend to be okay with it. When I just rely on the fact that I have pretty good common sense, I've got a great support network around me. There is YouTube, yeah. <laughs> you know. There is there is there is resources, and I've actually to this point of being you know nine weeks out from having a baby, I've you know really enjoyed all of it. You know, I've 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 loved sort of going to the hospital visits and sort of you know using the baby app and seeing what's going on now. And the great part about it is, Gem you know, knock on wood, has had a really great pregnancy as well. Like she didn't get any morning sickness. You know, she's starting to feel like just the weight of the baby now. But generally she's felt really good. And, you know, she was just over in Canada directing a huge commercial, like nine-day shoot, walking around with a big belly and stuff. And, you know, it was all fine. So all those things that we were freaking out about that we wouldn't be able to do or that would suddenly change, it's like, well, things do change, but you, you change too. And it's and it's having that flexibility is what's made it um, really enjoyable. Yeah. So uh, you're having a little boy, and yeah. I'm, I'm having a girl. Amazing. We did it in two different ways. You did the whole gender reveal thing, so you guys didn't know for the first six months. No, we didn't. But Georgia did. 
Your, was our, it was our way yeah. of getting, making sure that Georgia was involved in, in the yeah. whole thing. So she planned a big affair. So Gem and I, so we found out straight away Gem didn't want to wait. And I was shocked by how relieved and excited she was to be having a girl because I instinctively felt like we we're having a girl. I just, um, I've got six sisters. I've been raised pretty much by women my whole life. It makes sense that I've got another girl to boss me around and it'll be one that I've created. That seems to be poetic Excellent. to me. But Gem, when she found out we we're having a, a girl, was like relieved and she's like, look, I would have been fine with a boy, but I'm really, really happy we're having a girl. Yeah, with a, a little boy. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised because of Did all, you have a feeling of all what the you're boys gonna... of my gen? I'm one of four boys, right? And all the kids got born as boys. You know, everyone's boys, boys as in boys. nieces and nephews. Boy, yeah, everyone's yeah. boys. Right. Everyone's boys. Like two cousins away, all boys. Well, all my friends, like my immediate circle of friends and most of them, because, you know, I'm a late starter, had their first kid about around about five years ago. Yeah. Boys, all of them boys, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of brothers, like a lot of had uh, boys within the space of two boys in the space of five years. But now seems to be like a wave of women because now they're onto their second and third kids line uh-huh. and, and the girls are coming through, which were like, Thank Christ, there's a bit too much testosterone yeah, yeah. running around those kids' parties. The <laughs> fraternal birth order effect really kicking in yeah. here. Uh, yeah, I just, for, you know, you talk about everyone's having boys. In my head, I'm like, this is a fucking Clive Owen film. <laughs> 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 but just only men get born. <laughs> so can we tell people about your gender reveal party? Because it was quite funny. It really was. So, I mean, it was a lot. I've never been to a gender reveal party before. My first ever. Um, packed uh, with a lot of people, some amazing Fijian food. Yeah. And games, like more games than you could play a stick at. I, invo- I was involved in one. Was it, it was yeah. like, well, now, how would you describe it? It was like, it was like past the baby. Not a real baby, <laughs> a doll. It was like a... What do you call it? Tunnel like ball. Over, over and under. It was tunnel ball yeah. but with a baby. Yeah, tunnel ball with a baby basically. <laughs> baby doll we should say. Yeah, baby doll. Um, well, baby showers traditionally have been a female only ritual. Yeah, uh, thank and, God. And uh, Georgia was quite keen to have baby shower games <laughs> at um, this event. So we played baby shower style games in a co-ed space yep. and it was super, super exciting. And um, It was fun. I was hoping for the... V8 interceptor burnout down Bronte Road <laughs> yeah. with the pink smoke yeah. as a reveal yeah. uh, for the boy, uh, for the for the baby, but, but George opted for popping balloons, which is fine. Okay, now we have to explain what the game was. So when it came, so after the after the games, the baby passing games, there came the big reveal, which was a board game essentially, right? Yes, it was like a game it show. It was like a 70s game show. It really was. <laughs> it would have made millions and shot 400 episodes yeah, back totally. then. Yeah, uh, totally. So there was, I think, three. Ian Turpy would have hosted. Oh, yeah. Ernie Sigley, mate. All right. Uh, right. It would have been like, it was, I think it was like five by five black balloons. Yeah. Okay. And within that matrix of black balloons that were blown up, stuck to this board, there was um, three balloons filled with uh, the color of the, ba- the boy, the baby, mm. and two balloons filled with the color of not the baby. Okay. So the mo- more balloons. So hang on, say that again. That three, was- three balloons had the actual gender. Yeah. So, uh, in this case, it was blue, yeah. and the other two balloons had pink, and everything else was empty. Okay, and so G um, pulled names out of a hat, and yeah. one by one, people came up and popped balloons, and the tension was rising. Yeah, it was like I mean, as the host of many a game show oh, where you co- go to an ad break, I like, was so impressed. <laughs> I was, I was, I was so impressed by her ability to, to, to build. And there were network execs in the room. You know, I was like, Are you serious? This should be the new six o'clock before Grant Daniel's celebrity name game. Should put this in there. It'd be awesome. 
Could you just imagine that every night watching gender reveals and watching yeah. people's reactions? It would be fantastic. Especially if it goes the way it went. <laughs> yeah. And so th- what happened is that there was two uh, – I think I went pink first and then we got a blue and then we got a, another pink. So girl in the lead. And girls in the lead. Then we got another blue. So, so we're, even now. So we're two all. And then the way the confetti exploded out of one of these, when the next balloon got hit, puffed out some pink into the air and the room went fucking wild. Nuts. Because we're like, three, three the pinks, room, three over, pinks. And I'm in a pink suit. Yeah. We had to dress as a colour, yeah. so I'm wearing pink. Audrey's wearing pink. We're thinking, this is it. Yeah. Here we fucking go. It's a girl. It's a girl. And Georgia, I saw her face. I was like, oh, hang on a second. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And she just grabbed Whatever sharp implement was nearest started to her, started stabbing balloons, and she just started stabbing balloons until there was a very, very obvious blue explosion. But there was a lot of confusion. It was a very Sarah Murdoch, uh, Australia's, <laughs> Australia's next top model. It really. The was boys, bad. Are, the girls have got it. No, no, I'm sorry. Through the headpiece. Yeah, it was Steve Harvey. The boys. It was yeah. Steve Harvey at Miss Universe. Yeah, it was uh, Warren Beatty <laughs> at the Oscars. Actually, Moonlight, you're the winner. <laughs> it really was fantastic. There was a lot of confusion. I mean, I hadn't met all of your friends before and we were confused. We were looking around going, what is the result here? I'm not sure. It was pretty excellent. It was, it was pretty, pretty good. And I, I, really, I was really grateful we got to do it. And, um, you know, in this day and age, you know, to have a, a gender reveal. People, oh, dear, dear, you have a uh, You know, people were at me on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, hang on. Let me get this straight. People were getting angry about something on the internet? People who I didn't know? Oh, no, shocking. Mm. But, you know, at this point, if you really think that me, I, would be upset if my little girl Susan says, oh, from now on I want you to call me Derek... And I'm going to be a fitter and turn up. You're like, fuck, mm. no worries, Dezza. What do you want to do? I wouldn't give a shit. Are you yeah. happy? Are you healthy? Are, you, are your friends nice? Are you well fed? Great. I love you. I don't care. Doesn't matter, Osh. I need to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> Hello. Merrick Watts. Hello, Mark. How you doing? I'm good. Osh Ginsburg, Charlie Clawson here. Hey, Merrick. Hi, boys. How are you going? Yeah, very, very good. Um, terrified because we're both a few weeks out from having kids and you're someone that we know has kids, both of them still alive and healthy, which is great. Yes. So, therefore, you're a model father to both of us. <laughs> wow, you guys have either got very low standards <laughs> or you've run out of people in your phone to call. Well, I appreciate that, Miss, but I, Charlie and I have been talking about the kind of stuff that you do before baby comes, and I know that you're quite an expert in this situation here, um, and because you gave me some excellent advice around this purchase, but we were talking about prams. Prams. Yeah. Oh, prams. Yeah. You know what? Buy right once, don't buy wrong three times. <laughs> That's the trick. So what does, that, that, what does that mean? Is there a brand or a style of pram that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, there's one. I think it's called a, uh, a bugaboo. I think it is. It's look. I, I, my wife teaches it. So let's. You know what? Just Google what's the most expensive pram, <laughs> the least value for money, <laughs> um, and you'll you'll find the one that we got. So whatever whatever that is, but most you, expensive, least value. You bought it. How many kids have you got? Uh, I've got two, but we we had one for my son Wolf when he was born. We got a, a bugaboo, and then. When my daughter was born, it was decided that that one, although very expensive and working, 
was not as good as the new one we could buy, so we bought another one. No, of course. Which, which had the same brand and did exactly the same job, but it did have a slightly different cover on it. It oh, was definitely, right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we went from like a fawn color to yellow, so that was a huge... <laughs> That was hugely, um, yeah. Well, the great, the great thing about a, a pram mez, though, is you, you use it forever, though, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, my, my kids now, my daughter's almost eight years of age and my son's ten, and it was only yesterday that I was walking around on my own in a park with a pram, just thinking, well, you know what? You get value out of these things. Sure, there's a massive outlay, but, you know, when you're walking around a seven-kilometre circuit on your own with a pram that's got nothing in it, you go, well... Money well spent. Yeah, it pays for itself, really, doesn't it? Uh, they are they are like a it's a it's a pitfall of modular accessories, though, isn't it, Mez? It's like a transformer. I'm not going to lie. We we had this thing that you could flip it back one way and then flip it back the other way, and you know you could put a, a cradle basket thing in it. I, look, I don't know. I clearly don't have the the terminology for it, but all I know is that you could pack it down and, and uh, carry it along as a cake or you could assemble it in, in about four or five different ways. Um, we used one way. We used the one way the whole time. We had the option of about four or five different ways, but we used one because that's a freaking pram. <laughs> we used it the pram way. And then we bought a $30 stroller, and I was left there thinking, why don't we just buy the $30 stroller? The little foley one that every single person born before 1991 got rolled around in? A hundred percent. They are the best. They are the genuine article and they are the best. Buy one pram that you like and then buy a stroller. Is it, and the, then, is it the kind of stroller that you could get at Audi's? Uh, I think my wife bought it from Audi. It was either Audi or BMW, which is the most expensive one. It was, it was definitely German made uh, and looked like it could go on an autobahn. So... <laughs> Nah, look, you know what I'm a big believer of, fellas? With, with the impending childhood, can I say, get a, get a baby Bjorn, and that's not like, you know, adopting a small child from a Nordic region and pretending it's your own. Mm. I'm talking about getting one of those little uh, carry packs, you know, like a, yeah. like a child bum bag. You get yeah. a child bum bag, put the child on your chest and keep them there. It's just it's so much more mobile. Uh, so you, you are both hands-free, the kid's up against your skin, you can, you're pretty aware of it, if anything's going to go bad with it, and best part about it, old ladies and old blokes, whatever, can't get close for a sniff, right? That's exactly right. And I've always looked at a lure or a way that I could attract old men and women closer to my chest and face, and I've used a child as that bait. Because that's the thing, like when you've got the stroller facing outwards, people just don't even ask. They just fucking launch in and, and get their possibly unvaccinated faces very, very close to your offspring. But if the, your baby is face first against your manly chest, Merrick, those people, aren't, right. they're not going to come near you. No, absolutely not. Well, the anti-vaxxers aren't going to come anywhere near me because I don't live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney or Byron Bay. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I live in an area where people understand science and medicine. Um <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. But uh, look, I think there's something really nice about carrying your, your, your child around close to your chest. You feel you feel like you're protecting them more, and also to freeze up your arm. Let's not, you know, let's not lie. Freeze up your arm. You can rest a beer on the head. Mez, we're both only a, a few weeks away from launch. What do you remember about this period of pregnancy at your house? Oh, look, I think. <sighs> Not so much for you, Osh, but Charlie, for mm. you definitely, mate. Um, it's a great time to be drinking yeah. in excess because you've got a you've got a designated driver. 
You know, it's a great oh. period there where, you know, you don't, your responsibilities back off a little bit. You know, they're in baby brain mode, so they're not really paying attention to how bad a job you are, you know, doing as a partner. It's a great time to really get on the source because in a few weeks, mate, it's all over. For you, Osh, just smash as many smoothies as you can, <laughs> get into some avocado, um, have seaweed or whatever it is. I, I, I don't know what you're eating now. It's all plant-based, I'm sure. Uh, but get, get into some plant-based materials and just live the dream. Uh, and and from from what Charlie and I are, are exploring, uh, avoid any kind of literature that can possibly describe any bad thing that can happen to your baby, lest you hang upon it and go, "Well, that's obviously definitely going to happen to us." Then, well, that that affects you guys because you can read. So, uh, um, I mean, that's, that's something for you guys to consider about. If you make yourself illiterate, it won't be a problem. It's, unfortunately, unfortunately, you've educated yourself. Charlie, what's your what's your biggest concern at the moment? What's the thing that you know you can't, is in the back of your mind that you're thinking about now with an impending birth? Well, at the start of the year, my biggest concern was if the Saints make the finals. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, there you but, go. Uh, I knew that. But, but they took care of that, so uh, I don't. <laughs> I, it's all smooth sailing from here on. <laughs> okay, Charlie, you, I, this is a confession time, but also too, you'll understand this on a deeper level than yeah. us, perhaps. Right? Uh, when my son, my first son. And my first child, who I adore, was born. The night he was born, he was born on a Saturday, and Collingwood were playing the Sydney Swans in Sydney, where I live. And I was like, oh, God, I really want to go to that game. And my wife said, uh, no, uh, you're having a baby on that day. Um, you know, the contractions had started the day before, and we kind of knew. But I thought there was still a chance. Anyway, um, so I decided, well, I'll do, the, I'll do the right thing as a parent. I'll watch the game on TV. Yeah. And so there's... Georgia went into labour and uh, so she went into the into the bath and was like, you know, doing the whole bath thing. And that was at half time. She said, I've really, really got to go to hospital. And I said, look, honestly, this is a really close game. This is a really close game. This is a, re- you know, I really feel like we're building to something. This is in 2009, only a year away from a premiership. And I said, I really feel like you can just hold out for a little while. And just sit in the bath, and then as soon as Collingwood had won the game, we were in the car, went to hospital, had the baby. <laughs> and the baby's name was so, I mean, Mick Malthouse. Yeah. <laughs> Mick Malthouse Watts. <laughs> so, look, you know what I'll say? Don't panic. Don't panic. There's always plenty of time. Even when they go, oh, no, no, the baby's coming, the baby's coming, the baby's coming, like public transport in Australia is coming. Right. Slowly, slowly and indefinitely. So don't don't panic. Okay. Thank I'll, you. I'll, let, I'll let Jen know. Just take it easy. Thank chill you, out. Man. I understand you're about to give birth to our first child, but just chill out. Well, Don't go down well. Yeah, yeah. When we got pregnant, most people will be asking me all the time, are you nervous, are you scared? And I say, you know what? I'm not because whatever problem I'm going to face, I'm surrounded by men around me who have had kids, <laughs> who have dealt with all this shit before. And, um, you know, it's people like you that I will look to when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> uh, literally, okay. and call you up and go, well, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, can we just go back a second? You might need to... Um go back and, and edit this and have a listen to what you said that when you were there making the baby. So you just described all those events of having all your friends around and calling people and shit hitting the fan. But you're actually deciding, were you describing the conception of the child? <laughs> no, I'm just, describing where we found out. No, I think as, a, as, a, as an avid listener of the podcast, <laughs> I think you'll find it, it came across as though you were describing the conception of the child, in which case, mate, that child is coming into the wrong world. <laughs> <laughs> 
Merrick, um, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today, man. Um, your advice well, uh, and, and guidance as we bring children into the world is very valuable. Yeah. Look, just call me world's best dad and put it on a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, bro. See you, man. Thanks, Bez. All right, boys. Thanks, buddy. Good luck to both of you. Thanks, buddy. So as we get ever closer to B-Day, yep. as a, which is a thing you wash your butt with, there's got to be a better way to say that. Uh, I live in an apartment, much like you. Because we're in Sydney and we are not, uh, you know, the children of, of multi-millionaires. Yeah, so we can't fucking live anywhere but a small box that someone else owns. And my office is rapidly transforming into a baby room. Mm-hmm. And um, we I, are in our baby room right this now. This is the baby, baby room. We're in the baby room, and yeah. I'm, I can see Charlie. There's an extraordinary piece of furniture in here that has been created for yeah. baby. It's it's a mighty. <laughs> it's a uh, we call this. Uh, it's the Pax wardrobe. It's the IKEA Pax wardrobe, the grimmer version. Uh, what you got there, Osh, is a three chamber wardrobe. You got the double doors <laughs> on the left hand side. You got the single chamber on the right. Um, I put that together myself. I am so proud. I'm not the handiest of handymen. Um, I, it's weird growing up in my family, the youngest nine kids. When you're the youngest. Shit tends to get done for you. Like chain comes off your BMX, you've got a big sister or a big brother to fix it for you. You've always got big brothers or big sisters doing stuff. So I never really had to get good with tools. So when this came, and Gemma, God bless her, like I don't think she means to emasculate me, but she does from time to time. So when this delivery arrived and it's just all like planks of wood and screws and shit, she was like, should I call someone to come assemble this? Gemma. And I was like, no, damn it. I can do this myself. And so I started, I've got to admit, it was a bigger job than what I anticipated. I imagine being able to put that thing together in like half a day. It took me about two days in the end. Um, but I have power tools, Osh. Best. I own a drill. Nothing like building IKEA with a power tool. There really isn't. And look at that thing. You're essentially a carpenter. It's Look, that you'll notice the second handle from the left is slightly askew because I didn't have a proper ruler, so I couldn't line up the drill holes properly. But I, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. And so that, uh, yeah, that will now house all the baby stuff. We've got, we've, we've started buying baby clothes, which, yeah, is adorable. I mean, yeah, as is. cynical as you want to be yeah. about the price and how you're getting ripped off and yeah. why am I paying so much, it's so cute. And we're idiots because, like, this child will not be able to walk for six months, but I will buy shoes. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah, and how cute a little Converse. <laughs> Tiny little Converse monsters. <laughs> You've got to get them, right? <laughs> makes no sense. No. no. But someone just made 50 bucks. Yeah. And it makes no sense at all. Well, should we start talking about some baby tips? What There's some things we've learned. So there's a there's a few. I've been, I went around to a friend's place uh, yeah. yesterday. They've got three kids. They've just had their third. She's yeah. uh, two months old now. So they let me change a nappy, which was great. Um, but they gave me some tips. So why don't you, you told me you've been doing some pram shopping. So why don't you I, hit me with some pram facts and then I'll hit you with some baby facts. Well, I And then I'd all the dads that. who listen to this will go, this is so wrong. They, and yeah, like, no this is like about. both of them have no fucking idea what's going to happen to them. You know, everyone that's Look already got laughing. kids, everyone that's already got kids is laughing at us yeah. so hard right now. You two have no, no idea. idea. No, seriously, when we went to the ward tour the other day, because, you know, you want to go the idea is you go and have a look at the birthing unit and so you, you practice how to drive there and you kind of walk around and know what to expect so you can visualize it whatever and as we're getting there there's it must have been it is is not his first kid there's that little room in the middle where all the babies are lined up in the little plastic cots and this dad he was changing a nap and he he kind of turned and he saw us as a group walk by and he goes get out <laughs> 
kid out while you can. Yeah. <laughs> In the most, like, the most despairing 70s B-movie schlock yeah, horror Australian accent ever. I'm like, you're the best. <laughs> like, mate, what am I going to do? My wife looks like she's smuggling a Swiss call here. I'm like, I can't leave right now. Uh, what's great is that, as you mentioned, the, the close circle of friends around you are all five years ahead. Yes. So they've got garages full yes. of things to, to pass and you could probably take your pick. Like among the, among the guys I play poker with, um, I think the one baby capsule has taken four kids home from hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> gone fantastic. from bloke to bloke to bloke, yeah. Mate, I grew up, youngest nine kids that I mentioned before, all my clothes the first six years of my life were hand-me-downs. Yeah. I used to have my <laughs> – I remember – And you got a lot of sisters. So. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most humiliating days of my life was uh, when it was a Saturday morning and I was wearing my sister's pink Garfield pyjama hand-me-downs. <laughs> And a bunch of my mates came to knock on the door to see if I could have a kick of the footy. They were asking my mum. I didn't realise I was there. And I wandered out from bedroom in my sister's Garfield pyjamas and never lived that down. My nickname became Garfield (laughs) for the next year. Hardcore. So opening the mailbag up here, Charlie, Grant mm. uh, has some great advice. Oh, good. I prefer it when people give us advice rather than yeah, asking us yeah, for it. I know shit all. All right. Never hold your new baby above your head if they've just been fed. <laughs> this is like, it's like an OH&S. Yeah. Like every, you know when you read OH&S rules and you go, someone lost a thumb, so that's rule is here. Yeah. Okay. The other one, this will reduce the little bug of vomiting in your face as happened to me once with my first daughter. Oh, <laughs> Uh, another, he's got another one. His byline is Grant, three girls all grown up now. So he's got a uh-huh. runs on the board. Yeah. That's really giving us some knowledge here. Um, also, if you're wearing your best suit, ready to leave the house for work, and you want to give your baby a hug to say goodbye, always, always, always make sure you have a towel or other absorbent cloth over your shoulder. I can't count the number of times I've had to change my shirt or suit because one of the girls vomited, peed or whatever just as I had, had, had to say a nice farewell cuddle. Okay, that's good to know. That's really Towels good to in know. the radio. I don't often wear nice clothes. So I don't think that's a, much of a risk. <laughs> that's solid work there from Grant. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Grant. Uh, askdadpod at gmail.com is the email address to get to us. All right, Ash, so we finish up with, uh, we thought a little segment and we'll see how this goes. I grew up uh, pretty much without a dad. My dad died when I was 10 years old. So my map of fatherhood is uh, has really been taken from television. I think most of us have, Charlie. Uh, you know, Even those with dads. Yeah, I my, you know it's, it's quite tragic what happened to you and, and your in your family. Yet you know, I'm pretty sure most people's fathers were away working a lot. You know, yeah, it's right. just kind of how things were in the 80s and 90s. It's yeah. a you know different time now that both parents aren't home, so everyone. You know. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, you know the the, the map raised by TV dads. The map of fatherhood and our our, our imprintation, imprinting, yeah. our imprinting of of model behaviour came from television, didn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So this is a suggestion I said to you is like, why don't we talk about famous dads? Like, because as we're about to become dads ourselves, obviously these are our first ideas of dads and you know I think this is a topic that we can open it up to movies TV popular culture books whatever so I thought I'd start with what I think is the quintessential TV dad he was the dad that I most looked up to as a kid and it's Dan Connor from Roseanne god fuck mate it's the first episode how are we ever going to talk that (laughs) Like, I don't know how much better you can get than Dan Connor. So what were your impressions of Dan Connor? Dan Connor was a – now, for those of you who don't know, Roseanne was – she's a stand-up comic from the States. She had a a long-running TV show. Yeah, and it was probably – it was a bit groundbreaking at the time because it was back in the day when sitcoms were all very kind of like – 
sanitized and they were shiny, happy families. And this was like a working class family where they struggled to make ends meet. Yeah. They had the, the topics were like some social issue topics. You know, yeah. they had, they dealt with domestic violence. They yeah. dealt, dealt with drugs. They dealt with alcoholism. A lesbian whole, daughter. Lesbian daughter. A whole bunch of stuff. Chain pregnancy. It doesn't sound funny the way we're Dan, no, And it. Dan was out of work. Yeah. And like really clever, clever things would happen. Like they'd have a shot of the kitchen. And uh, in America, you've probably already seen it from a TV show that they dispense um, painkillers in those little orange yeah. bottles and there'd be a shot of her making breakfast or whatever in the kitchen and there'd just be 25 <laughs> of these bottles lined up because family like that, you can, in an American healthcare system, you can't afford to get things actually fixed so you just treat the pain. Yeah. And so you're just on painkillers the whole time. And all she was happening like in the late 80s, early 90s, they went through this. And, and Dan Connor was the motorcycle riding uh, Jip rocking guy, drywall his, fixing, yeah, dry, guy in his f- mid forties, maybe played high school football, body falling to pieces, labouring in his forties, still doing hard days on the job site, and he'd come home and then basically deal with an all women in his house and and well one son he had one DJ. son yeah but Roseanne I mean as the star of the show and as her personality she's a very forceful person so then you know, we've got I found the uh, uh, the Roseanne wiki oh yeah <laughs> which is roseannefandom.com wiki That's slash like, you know where it is Dan you Connor find it so this is what they write Dan Daniel Connor is the husband of Roseanne Connor and the father of Becky Darlene DJ. And Jerry Connor. I don't know, Jerry Connor. Is that the new? Is that must be for the new series. We won't talk so about. Is it a scrappy do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Poochie. Oh, we God. won't talk about Roseanne 2018. Things Poochie. got a little. Things oh. got a little. A little prickly there. Uh, he is the. What does this mean? What's that word? Oh, good lord. Jurator not jurator uh, nagonist. Is that you, you're the dramatist. Deuteragonist? Yeah, deuteragonist. So like not an antagonist, not a protagonist. Deuteragonist. Okay. Of course. Okay, sure. Which is the other agonist. This is how they describe his personality. Dan Connor is easygoing, a loving, loving family man. He tries not to argue with his wife, Roseanne, often to decrease the arguing conflict with his family. He's easy to get along with his wife and acts like a realistic, normal, working class father. Compared to Roseanne, Dan is typically much more laid back and easy to get along with and generally lets Roseanne run things but when he gets angry everyone listens and I do remember that because that's the way John Goodman played him was and what I loved about Dan why I think he was the perfect TV dad is he did love his family despite the fact that they had nothing he was always there for his kids Mm -hmm. even when it looked like DJ maybe was going to be gay and that was something that he really battled to accept he accepted it even though Jackie Roseanne's sister was a pain in the ass he would stand up for her when it looked like her boyfriend was beating her like he was this guy who was just this giant teddy bear but when he turned he was fucking scary he was and as a kid growing up in the 80s that was my impression of dads is that you know my friend's dads are all kind of cool but when a dad got angry, it could be like really scary. Yeah, and, and I think that's what made Dan Connor the he 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 was the dad who just you know he knew his place in the world. He knew that his time in the sun had gone. His job was just to be there to be the foundation for all these other people to explore the world together. And uh, with it, such strong personalities in the family, someone had to be the steadying influence. And it was Dan. 
Throughout the, throughout the series, he holds many occupations and was often seen balancing work, home, and personal interests. He's a typical working-class father who provided comic relief, but also, and this is the important bit, a good example for his children. Yes. During the final episode of season nine, when Roseanne revealed that the entire ninth season was written as a book based on her life and her family, she changed certain elements of what she had liked and not liked. And most notably, Dan actually died after having him having an heart attack at the end of the wedding, which was the end of season eight. So I didn't even realise that because I think I checked out of Roseanne a little before that final season, but I didn't realise they killed him. So everyone knows they brought him back when they revived it last year. Yeah. And then they killed Roseanne. So yeah, I think yeah. there's been some... Yeah. Well, let's just remember Dan, how we remembered him. Let's just remember Dan as just, you know, the he's just the lighthouse in that photo on the physiotherapist's wall. Yeah. You know, the one with the big wave crashing over it. Yeah. yeah. That was Dan. So was Dan, Dan Connor. Connor, Dad Pod, salute you. Yeah. The thing about podcasts is they are, it's essentially, it's, it's, an, it's an audible verbal blog, really. So people will go back in years from now and hopefully find this and go, yeah, those two had no idea. Yeah, or, we'll probably go back and go, we had no idea. Yeah. In six weeks, we'll probably go back and go, we had no idea. Yeah. Well, you feel good? I feel good about it. I think this is good. I think we're, I think we're, as it goes, the show's going to, like all podcasts that I like, they evolve over time. So we're working out what we're doing as we're doing. Hopefully people listening to it are getting some kind of value from it. Uh, maybe when we actually sort of put a few episodes together, we can actually start getting some correspondence. We can actually hear from people listening to this and maybe Tell open, us in person how bad it is. Tell us in person how bad it is or stuff that we should talk about or stuff that we should be looking at as dads. But that's stuff we can get to down the track. This is more... This was our announcement party, I guess. <laughs> it's a reveal. Our reveal. <laughs> this is Dad Pod. Um, do we need a sign off of some kind? I'm sure we'll figure one out. Go to bed. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs>